1: I'm your village founder and your host, Erin Royer. Hello, everyone. So this is a continuation of last week's episode where I did a lot of background information and general information about codependence and then started talking about ways that I see it showing up in the parent-child dynamic. And I talked about the first two ways I see it showing up. So if you didn't listen to that episode, you may want to go back and listen to that. But I do want to do a quick recap and then we're going to get right into the last four ways I see codependency show up in parenting and some ways that uh, we can mitigate that. So I also wanted to just talk about codependency, what it does, because I didn't talk about this last week, about why I did talk about why it's, why it's a problem, but I want to talk about this a little bit more because codependency doesn't allow us to show up for ourselves or for the other people in our lives as fully as we could, and I talked about that. But I didn't talk about this piece, how this works or why this is an issue, because when we entangle with others, this means our boundaries are too soft. We're too entangled. We don't know where we end and the other person begins. We're, our boundaries are too soft. We don't let our full selves be seen and understood. And that One person in the dynamic is not being seen and understood. The other one is being seen and understood to the detriment of the other. So when this happens, we don't set the example. So for our kids, we don't set the example of what it looks like to be seen and understood either. So we're not showing up fully as ourselves with our own needs, desires, and goals. But we put them aside or someone is putting them aside to put other people first. And then we actually rob other people of that opportunity to experience us in our full life force. Now, when we rob them of this opportunity, we also rob them of the opportunity to do for themselves. That's the enabling. They get enabled in their patterns. So I talked about that in last week's episode, but this is tricky in parenting, right? Because. This is why parenting is such fertile ground for codependent patterns, because as parents, we do give up some of our needs and our goals and our desires. We kind of have to as a parent, especially in the beginning, things like sleep and other things, because our infants need us in this way to be fully available to them, especially in those first three months. So learning to balance this is, is something that is a real skill and take some real relationship skills and some real understanding of ourselves. So our goal is we we learn to balance caring for our infants and then our young children, and then still try to balance our own needs, our wants and desires, our goals, because we're still people with these things that are a part of us. So that's why these two episodes are so important. It will give some good guidance and things to consider about how to balance these and when and what that looks like in a healthy parent-child dynamic. So in last week's episode, I covered the first two ways I see codependency often showing up in parenting. So I'm going to do a quick review of that. But if you haven't heard that episode, I recommend going back and listening so you can get more of the details. Okay. The first way. I talked about last week, that I often see codependents showing up in parenting is doing for the child what they're capable of doing for themselves. And again, I gave the example. Not I'm not talking about getting the child something that they want because you're up, so you get them some fruit or you get them a glass of water when they ask for it because you happen to be getting one for, for yourself. That's just being a helpful human being. But when it becomes a pattern of continually overdoing for the child things that they could do for themselves, you're robbing them the opportunity of learning those skills. And the expectation that, you know, we take care of ourselves. So the act of overdoing in and of itself is not codependent. It's the reason behind the overdoing that can make it independent. If it's done for the reason of feeling needed and wanted, this stems from codependence. Oh, my child needs me. I feel needed. I feel wanted. I feel loved. That's codependence. So when this is the case, this is where you would want to take a deeper dive into the pattern do the work on the feelings beneath it. Working on figuring out how to find worthiness outside of this dynamic is going to be really important. The second way I talked about is people-pleasing. So people-pleasing tendencies show up in codependency, and they can show up as having a difficult time enforcing boundaries, among other things. Whether this is adult to adult or adult to child, it can show up as having a difficult time enforcing boundaries because we don't want to upset the other person. So with kids, it can show up as being afraid to upset the child, either not setting the boundary because you expect a big reaction from it, or you set the boundary and you don't follow through because you got a big reaction and you don't want to see or deal with their child's upset. You feel responsible. You feel guilty about it. This is a codependent pattern. Now, again... If there's other reasons behind it, it's not codependent. So not following through on a boundary that you set because you're too tired and you just don't want to deal with it, while that does set up some um, unhealthier patterns, it's not codependence. This is just a tired parent not wanting to deal with the struggle right now. But when a parent doesn't set a boundary or sets one but doesn't stick with it because they don't want to be the bad guy, this is codependence. I want to be the good guy. I want my kids to love me all the time. I don't want them to be mad at me. That is codependence. So understanding your reasoning behind it is the first step to creating patterns that help your child develop healthy coping skills. This is so important, these healthy coping skills. They have to learn how to come up against these hard feelings and work through it. So that is our job to help them do that. These are really important to their coping in life for them to be able to come up against life's difficulties and just overcome it because they know how. And then setting up really positive relationship patterns. So again, there's more in last week's episode But I want to get to the other four ways I often see codependent patterns play out in the parent-child dynamic, so we're going to get into those now. Okay, the third way is if your self-esteem is tied to your child's accomplishments, their behaviors, or their grades, it's much easier to accept a toddler's public meltdown when we can see it for what it is, an age-appropriate expression of big feelings, rather than taking it as a reflection on us as a parent. I'm a bad parent. I'm not doing a very good job. My child's upset. They're flailing and yelling and screaming in public. It's easier to accept our child's desire to quit a sport or a bad day on the field or a bad grade, to see it for what it is, rather than not having gotten that boost to our self-esteem that we needed that day. And if you grew up with this kind of pressure, you know exactly how stressful this is. If you were expected to perform up to a certain level, um, and if not, your parents got very angry, and it was um, probably unknowingly to you because their self-esteem was reliant on your performance. Now, this doesn't have to be related to addiction, but this is extremely common in families with addiction, to have a golden child phenomenon. This is the child that overachieves to give the family something to be proud of, something positive to focus on, to bolster the view and the self-esteem of the other family members. It takes the focus off the shame of the addiction. Now, this can happen in any codependent dynamic family. So just be aware of that. But these are more extreme examples. But it's important to be aware, especially if you or your partner dealt with this growing up, it's really important to recognize it and to heal it so we can break that cycle for our own children because we don't want to go to the opposite extreme and have no expectations for our children. So if you were the child that was really expected to perform, get the really good grades, you know, do really well in sports, do really well at an instrument, whatever it was, to bolster the self-esteem of the family, to give the family something to be proud of and show off, then it can sometimes be common to go the opposite, to just let your child kind of be... Um, is to really have no expectations of your child, because we don't know how to do it in a way that's positive. We don't want them to feel the way that we felt, and so we'll we'll sometimes just slide way down to the opposite end of the spectrum. So there's a healthy balance in there. We want to let their accomplishments be from their own drive and motivation and sense of self. We do want to set some expectation for them to live up to their potential, but have it be about them and what they want in their own drive. And be there to to discuss with them how to overcome a setback without any of it having to do anything with us. So now I'll admit, so here's a, a little bit of an example, but I'll admit when my kids quit swimming that that was hard. I loved being the swim mom with these kids that had so much potential, you know, constantly cutting time, going to championship meets, making championship cuts. But I knew it couldn't be about me. I had, it had to be about them and what they wanted for their lives. And I had to let that go. So letting your children make their decisions for themselves. So like I said, like I've shared many times, my goal for them has always been, I want you to be in a sport. I want you to be taking care of your body and finding something you love to do. I don't care what it is, but it has to be about them. It can't be about me. I'll get into the last three ways I see codependency showing up in parenting right after a word from our sponsors. This episode is sponsored by By Heart. By Heart is an infant nutrition company whose mission is simple make the best formula in the world using the latest in breast milk science.
0: And now that we're back after the break, I'm going to get right into the last three ways codependency
1: shows up in parenting. So the fourth way codependency can show up in parenting is losing yourself in your identity as a parent. This stems from a poor concept of self, like I had talked about one of the signs earlier. If we don't know ourselves, if we haven't been allowed to define ourselves, our own needs, our desires growing up, then that goes unhealed into adulthood. Having children can give us a sense of purpose that we may have never had before. And so we can go overboard with that. We can get wrapped up in that in an unhealthy codependent way. Because absolutely being a parent is an amazing and important part of our journey, but it can't be the everything. So, you know, being a parent is forever, but it does change. The goal is for it to change. Our job is to help our kids grow into independent, confident people who don't need us anymore. And that's a hard thing for a lot of parents to think about that. Like, there's going to be a day when they don't need me anymore, but that is what we're shooting for. If we define ourselves as a parent, it leads to the overcompensating for them so that we feel needed and so that they don't need to grow up so much and maybe they'll always need us. But that's not fair to them or their development. So seeing our part in their lives as the support for them to springboard into their own full selves gives us permission to have interests and grow outside of being a parent. So what I've always said about my relationships with my kids as they age is that I want them to continue to have connected relationships with me into adulthood not because they need me, but because we have a strong bond and connection that we've built, because they enjoy my company and they enjoy the relationship. And as they're aging, I can see this shift happening for us. We'll sit around the dinner table and we will just laugh about just some funny, silly things. And I really enjoy it. I see it in how much my 13-year-old enjoys telling me about his day. He gets in the car and he starts telling me about all the weird, quirky things that the other middle schoolers (laughs) are saying and doing. And the relationship is really changing and shifting, but it's incredible to see. And this is a child who we will come home from the grocery store I don't have to ask him to bring in the groceries, to ask for any help. He just does it. He just offers it. The first thing he does is open up the trunk and start taking the groceries out. This is what we want to do for our kids. So, the fifth way codependency shows up in relationships, but also in parenting, is when parents feel responsible for their child's feelings. It's feeling responsible for another person's feelings. This relates back to one of the reasons for having difficulty setting boundaries. So let's just say we set a boundary around bedtime. It's time for bed. We tuck in and leave and the child gets upset. If we we feel responsible for their feelings, I'm supposed to make sure my child isn't unhappy or displeased. I'm responsible for causing my child to be upset. I set a boundary, now they're upset. Now I'm responsible for this feeling. They're feeling bad, their reaction. That's codependence. Setting a boundary be it around snacks, too close to dinner, expecting a toddler to stay in the room, turning off the TV at the end of a show, because we love them and we want to set up healthy lifetime habits. When we do this with kindness and firmness, this is a healthy way of interacting. And it tells our child, because I love you, I'm sticking with this boundary. We can connect with their feelings. We're going to allow their feelings. I can see you're upset and would like to stay with me longer tonight. or. I can see you would really like a cracker right now that you're hungry. We're going to have dinner in a few minutes, whatever that is. But then to explain to your child, it's important for kids to get lots of good sleep so your body and brain can grow smarter and stronger. And it's important for moms and dads to have some quiet time without kids to do things for ourselves. That's setting a really healthy boundary. I love you, but that doesn't mean we have to be attached at the hip, right? That's the codependence, constantly needy and constantly needing. Loving, kind, firm boundaries, setting those good, healthy boundaries. We are never responsible for anyone else's reactions and emotions. But for our kids, we are responsible to them to teach them and help them develop healthy ways of sharing emotions. So this is a process over time, helping them learn to connect with their feelings first and then express them in healthy ways. So the goal is our children should be almost fully emotionally competent by the age of nine. And I think that is gonna surprise and shock a lot of parents. But they are fully capable of being fully emotionally competent by the age of nine. this means is sharing emotions with the right people at the right time at appropriate to moderate levels. It means sharing feelings with the person who hurt us. It also can mean bouncing it off of a parent for guidance. That's great too. My kids come to me all the time when something happened at school, happened with a teacher, happened with a friend and bounce it off of me and then I'll give them some tips about how to go back to that person and address it. These are ways that are healthy and helpful. And help them become resolution focused at levels that can be, you can have some passion or some animation about it. Like they can have some upset in their voice. They can have some animation in their face and their voice. This is normal, but not getting crazy over the top screaming and yelling. So this is the goal we're shooting for. They may need some reminders sometimes, but overall they're capable of being emotionally competent by around age nine. Okay, the sixth and last way I see codependents showing up in parenting is rescuing kids from consequences. This is things like bringing their lunch to school for a tween or teen if they forget it, replacing something they lost, especially if they lost it more than once and we've replaced it a couple of times. This is not letting them deal with the consequences of losing their things or forgetting their lunch. I actually had someone that I dated a little while ago and his 15-year-old daughter forgot to pay her phone bill. And we were out on a date. He had to stop off and pay her phone bill. But I felt like, I never didn't say anything to him, but I felt like at 15, she should have to deal with the consequences of that. You know, her phone should have to get cut off for a couple of days. And then, you know, she'll remember to go pay it. But what happens with that is if dad's going to rescue her, she's not going to ever have to pay her phone bill. She's just going to forget again because she doesn't have to be responsible. So these are the types of things and then lastly, it's important to mention the parent as the taker and the child as the giver. As many of you may have experienced, this as the child. It's a very common dynamic, so it's important to recognize it. So if you haven't already recognized it, you can work towards healing this. So this was my experience growing up, like I shared. I was made to feel responsible for my mom's feelings and moods. I was the caretaker. So I'll leave out how it played itself out, Um, There was a lot of trauma that I needed to heal, so we'll just, just leave it at that. But this looks like a parent looking to the child to fulfill their needs. This is the child caring for the parent physically or emotionally or spiritually. It's the parent sharing adult struggles with children, leaning on them for emotional support, making their emotions more important than the child's, adult glossing over children's feelings, not allowing or giving room, or allowance for the child to have feelings around any given situation. So this is where we talk about kids can have feelings. We wanna recognize their feelings, allow their feelings, but it doesn't mean we have to give in to whatever it is they want. Allowing the feeling and recognizing it and letting them process it is what's needed for them to grow into um, the adult who realizes that their feelings are important, but just doesn't mean we necessarily are gonna get our way. But back to the adult. So when the adult makes it about themselves. So some common phrases that you may have heard or that you may see in in relationships, parent to child, with this dynamic is the parent saying something like, you are so selfish. Do you ever think about anyone else? Stop crying. That's not worth crying over. You're mad? Well, think about how I must feel. These are the types of things, if you heard this as a child, this was the parent bowling over the child's feelings and making and making their child's feelings um, irrelevant, but their feelings above the child. This is the parent who didn't have the emotional space to be available. So this often leads to the child to feel like what they want or need doesn't matter. This leads to the child becoming codependent, people pleasing, feeling responsible for other people's feelings, the loss of self-identity or compromising the self. So a strong sense of self may never uh, get the opportunity to take hold and grow. So you can see how this type of upbringing can lead to these patterns. So I think if we fall into these patterns, it's really helpful to go back and see where they might stem from in order to start to unravel them. See them for what they were so you can start to discredit the beliefs that you built up around them. I'm bad. I'm, you know, I'm selfish. I'm the things that you may have heard growing up, certainly things I have heard. I had heard quite frequently that you then have to unravel and you have to discredit those beliefs and then heal them. So those are the six ways to from the first episode and then I recapped on this episode and the four more that I covered in depth in this episode of ways that codependency can show up in our parenting, our parent-child dynamic, as well as the, a child who was made to be responsible for your parents' emotions or they didn't have the emotional capacity to help you learn to connect with and process your emotions and i just find this information not just fascinating but really helpful to help us figure out why we do the things that we do the way why we feel the way that we feel and once we can do that we can really start to dig in and unravel and heal a lot of this stuff that has been set up in families for for certainly for generations and you know so that we can then make this better for our children. So that is definitely my goal. Has been my goal is to heal as much of myself as I possibly can to create the most healthy patterns and break cycles in my family for my children so that they are able to just show up in life as adults and thrive and not have to go back and heal and figure out some of the basics of emotional competence and emotional intelligence, self-esteem, If you found this, if you have any comments or questions about this or anything else, you can send an email to podcast at yourvillageonline.com. Also, I have many great guests coming up. I'm getting back into having guests on the show. So I've had some really great people email me, and we have those set up and on the calendar. I cannot wait to have these new guests on. So keep tuned for that. We're going to start in June with some new guests towards the end of the month. And again, if you'd like to follow on Instagram, the account is Your Village Online at Insta- and on Instagram. Thanks for listening, and see you next week.